is the first annual Name Tag Sunday, so congratulations, you were here for the groundbreaking day. Uh, we are going to do this every fifth Sunday. When there's a fifth Sunday in the month, we are gonna do name tags. And that is just so you can turn around and perhaps say like, oh, that girl that's wearing the, the one thing and the sunglasses and her hair, and oh, her name is Marilyn, I didn't know that. Okay, great. Someone said hello to my son. They said, I always, I'd know you as a redhead kid. Well, hello, Joshua, right? Isn't that super cool? I think it's super cool, yeah? Are you on board? And then um, I think this is also an idea. We should sing cheers for the first song. Where everybody knows your name. Come on, you know it. Dun, dun, dun. And they're always... Dun, dun, dun. You want to be where... No, I should stop. I know the whole song, so maybe? No, maybe not? Okay. Well, welcome. If you are just visiting us this morning, if you are checking us out, welcome to you. And uh, there is a little card on the back of the chair in front of you, and we'd love to know a little more than your name, too. We'd love to know your email, maybe, and maybe where you're from, and hear a little bit more about your story. So if you want to fill that out, um, one, uh, myself, I'm one of the pastors here. My name is Melody, by the way. Uh, Grant uh, and Pastor Josh also will all be back there, and we want to know your name. So come and say hello, and um, we have a little gift for you also. If, uh, if you come meet us, we will be happy to chat and give you a little gift. So uh, welcome this morning. I have a couple of things that I want you to mark down on your calendars for August, because tomorrow is August 1st. Can you believe it? Um, but I'm okay with that. A lot of people aren't. I am. Um, well, something that I want you to mark down, women, tomorrow night, there is a hangout at Glendora Public Marketplace, right? If you were there last time, you know it was super fun, super cool. Some people got crepes, right, Elizabeth? Where are you? She got to get Elizabeth. There you go. We were going to split it. I should have split it with you because the one that I bought for me and my husband to split when I got home was terrible. So if you get a crepe, I'll tell you which one not to get. But there's tacos, and there's sandwiches, and there's rice bowls, and there's boba. So tomorrow night, ladies, meet us at the Glendora Marketplace, 6.30 p.m. to about 8, and it is just a super fun, casual hangout. So see me afterwards if you have more questions about that. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month where we have adopted Community Lunch Sunday, and that is when you can either bring your lunch packed and ready to go, or we always have some form of soup ready, and uh, we'll just be out there, and it's just a little bit of time to not, you know, just jet off right after the service. It's a little bit of time to hang out together and to also get to know each other's name a little bit more. Maybe we'll do that at Community Lunch, too. Um, we will just hang out, and as a bonus, we have, from leftover from small group meetings, we have leftover thrifty chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream. Like, like the real deal, like the gallons that you see, that you used to see at um, the thrifty store. <laughs> Uh, so we're serving that up, we're gonna have an ice cream bar, and so it's gonna be lovely, and also, um, we have some, uh, some of our missionaries that we support coming to visit us next week. 
and uh, they're the Levies, and they are here uh, next Sunday, and we're just going to do a little, you know, get to know them, ask them a few questions uh, after we eat. So it's really fun. Did anyone stay for the Luke Kabongo one afterwards? A couple of us? Yeah, there's a really good group, actually. And um, it was just a chance to get to ask a few more questions. We, we support them in a small way, and we just want to say, like, hey, tell us, how's it going? What do, you, what do you see? What it is, you know, so it's a great time. So next Sunday, mark that down. Um, the other thing that's happening is small groups happen right here in this uh, worship center, and we have, we're going through the month of August, and so there's four Wednesdays left. And again, as Josh mentioned last week, it's not that if you haven't come the whole time, you can't come now. Or No, if you can only come to one, only come to one. But then you can say, I went to one, and I know what it's about, and I know how they do things. And uh, we just have such a good group on Wednesday, and we have laughs, and then we have just time of discussing the sermon, and then we have time of just, if you want to share a prayer request, you can do that, or you can not. It, it, it's really just an invitation for you to come here midweek, sit down for a second, maybe share a little bit of your life, or hear a little bit of life around you, and get to know people. Some people ask me to, how to plug in. How do you plug in? You show up. You show up, and I think the people that have come can tell you that they have gotten to know quite a many people coming to small group, and it's just a fun time. So again, here, 6.30 uh, on Wednesday. You guys just love cutting me off. To, oh, George is just messing with me. It's probably because I mess with him quite a bit. He's like, I'm just going to get her back today. Um, we have had a great time, and on the last Wednesday of the month, the last August of the month, we're going to have a picnic, like a picnic-style potluck. Um, we're going to join in with a youth group that makes uh, meets at the same time, and it's just going to be a big old party. So please, please, please come if you are able. Uh, the last thing that we want to mention to you is that uh, we're, we're, we're family here, and we share in the good times and the bad times and the hard times and all of the above. And so uh, if you are aware, and most of you are, that uh, our dear friend Chris Alec passed away, and his memorial is August 9th. That is a Tuesday, and we just want to make sure everybody knows. So if you have to take a, you know, half a day at work or a longer lunch hour or whatnot, that's going to be right here at 1 p.m. is a viewing, and at 1.30 uh, is the start of the memorial. And maybe you didn't know Chris, you know, maybe you didn't know him, but you want to come anyway. You want to come and support Laura and just say, Laura, we are with you. We stand with you. I don't see her. She's here. Where are you, Laura? She's here. Laura, we stand with you. We support you and we love you. And we will be here on August 9th for you. So let's pray and let's um, go into um, our message this morning. And, you know, like I say to, to people when they say, oh, I didn't know. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to. It, it is. It is a very strange time. But you know what? Show up. You're there. You're there, and maybe you can't come to the funeral on Tuesday, but you can see Laura today and say, Laura, I'm sorry. You can do something like that. You can, we can be there with her. Yes? Amen? 
Because you don't know when it's going to be your turn to be supported. You don't know if you're next on the meal train list. You don't know these things. And so as a family, we want to do that together. So let's pray. Let's ask God to just um, come and be with Grant as he shares the message and um, just with all of us as as our comings and goings go. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for uh, bringing us all together here today, God. God, I just pray that as um, we settle in, we calm our hearts and we calm our minds, God, that we would be open to hearing what you have to say to each and every one of us here today, God. God, we pray that as we, as we watch the slides go by or as we're looking around us in the room, God, God, would we just be open to what it is you have? God, I pray for Grant as he comes up and shares the message this morning. God, thank you for our pastor and thank you for our shepherd and uh, thank you for this man that leads us in this way, God. God, bless him. God, bless his family, Lord. Lord, be with us here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Melody. So uh, I just want to say uh, this is recorded every week. Uh, if you miss a Sunday and you want to catch up on the message, it's usually posted in, in the afternoon on a Sunday. Uh, so if anyone is listening to this message this week, uh, we're including communion as part of the message that's recorded. <clears throat> so if you want to pause and then go get something, some juice, a little bit of bread, you can actually do that at home with us. How's everyone doing today? <clears throat> I've got a frog in my throat. It's the humidity or something. This weather, man. I've only been in Southern California for four years and I am not used to this yet. How long does it take? <laughs> Never? Well, but we've been using this summer well, um, turning on some heat with the Word of God, and we're going through the Psalms, uh, various Psalms, not all of them, not the whole thing, but we're picking uh, various Psalms to think about uh, and try and understand uh, what is the purpose of these amazing songs, uh, poems, uh, writings. Um, This morning, we're doing... Uh, one of the most famous psalms, well, not only the one of the most famous psalms, but possibly one of the most famous parts of the whole Bible, which is hard to do because sometimes you get familiar with something and it's hard to see past what you think you know about it. Uh, and it's Psalm 23. Anyone ever read Psalm 23? Anyone ever heard of it? I mean, it is, it is uh, so well known. It's actually woven into our culture, uh, this particular part of the Bible appears in all kinds of unexpected places. Uh, Classical composers throughout the history of music regularly uh, put uh, the words of Psalm 23 to music. Uh, For example, Bach, Batch, as we like to call him, Batch, Uh, Bach. And and in modern musicians as well, there's been all kinds of musicians. You know, we talked about, remember, why do we sing? And there's something about singing that is profoundly moving and and human and emotional beyond just simply speaking uh, when we sing there's an element that is added to a connection of our heart and our mind and our our physicality our bodies and these psalms were originally songs so it's no wonder that some of the lyrics from the psalms have appeared in music for example those great theologians Pink Floyd uh, 
had some elements of Psalms just popping up. It's not always positive. It's not always in context, but, but they used it. Uh, Duke Ellington and Mahalia Jackson had a, had a song which had allusions to Psalm 23, as did those other great theologians, the Grateful Dead, right? Did anyone know what song talks about? It's uh, Alabama Getaway. I'm not familiar with the band, but maybe you are. Coolio, Gangster's Paradise. We're not going to sing it. But it starts about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Megadeth, their song, Shadow of Death. Death spelled D-E-T-H. Megadeth. Who likes Megadeth here? Any Megadeth fans? Oh, yeah, Fareed and Tara. Uh, Eminem as well. He had some stuff about from the Psalms. It's kind of everywhere. Movies. Uh, the movie Titanic, which that, a, a little obscure movie uh, called Titanic, which I've never seen. I can't have a pride of it because you've never seen Titanic and it almost makes me more resistant to watching it. But maybe we should all watch it sometime. But apparently when the ship is sinking, there's a, there's a religious person saying Psalm 23. Uh, David Lynch's film, The Elephant Man. Anyone ever seen The Elephant Man? Uh, Anthony Hopkins. It's, an, it's a beautiful film. It's just powerful. It makes me cry every single time. And one of the best bits is when they have this man who's so badly deformed and he's basically considered an animal. Uh, and he's been trying to communicate, this doctor's been trying to communicate with him and he's doing Psalm 23. And he has kind of shared with the, this, this man, John Merrick, the beginning part of Psalm 23. And he, he goes outside of the, the hospital room to speak to his superior who's basically saying, we can't keep doing this anymore. This man is unfixable. And they hear him continue on with Psalm 23. And he's like, I didn't teach him that bit. And that's like the moment when he realized this, this poor man has, has been in this body and, and is a human being. Uh, when 9-11 happened, George Bruce, uh, President George Bush uh, recited Psalm 23. And I'm sure there are many, many, many more. It is so well known and, and, and considered uh, respected by so many people. Why do we think perhaps this psalm, out of all the psalms, Potentially, of all the Bible, has connected so widely and so deeply with people in all places and times and through all kinds of mediums. Why does this resonate so powerfully with us? And today we want to think about what role does this psalm play in this book of psalms, these 150 psalms and this one special psalm that seems to have such connection with us. And how might our relationship with the psalm, if we intentionally step in, which some of you may have done this week, uh, we printed out Psalm 23 last week, last Sunday, so that you guys could kind of sit with it through the week, and, and perhaps you had some experiences with it and some understanding. Uh, how might a relationship with this psalm, as Melody mentioned last week, uh, on this quote that she had from a book about uh, form us and reform us, how can it shape us and make us new? So what we're going to do this morning, rather than have somebody read the psalm, uh, usually some pick on somebody, right? And everyone's like... No, not me. We're all going to read it together. That sound good? So Psalm 23, let's read together a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right? It's powerful even just reading it together there. And I'm sure we have all kinds of connections of times we've heard it, read or read it ourselves or sat with it. You know, and really the first line is immediately meaningful and important and really sets up all of the rest. The very first line of this psalm is the big picture. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm just going to break this up. You can take, we could actually probably preach for weeks or months just on these few words. The Lord, what does that mean? The Lord, well, is the greatest power, the greatest unlimited, eternal power. It is capitalized in, in the scripture, uh, all capitals, which it stands for the word Jehovah or Yahweh, God Almighty the creator of all that exists. It's like in the beginning of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This psalm similarly begins, the Lord is the starting place, and what a starting place to begin any exploration of what it means to be human. The Lord. The second word, is, such a small word. Does anyone know what part of speech the word is, is? I had to look it up. It's actually got a, a special name. It's, it's, it's a state of being verb. A state of being verb. It's about existence. So this is the greatest reality. The Lord is. In every way you could imagine something existing, God is. All of these things. When Moses was sent to be a messenger to the Pharaoh in Egypt to say, let my people go, Moses was like, who shall I say sent me to do this? And he said, I am. I am, God is. So the Lord is self-existent, not dependent upon anything else, has no needs, and is fully himself. Third word, my, my. It's the greatest intimacy. The Lord is my. The realm of me, everything that is personal to me, all that that means, every moment, every experience, everything I've ever done, seen, spoken, heard, my entire body, mind, soul, spirit, my. You know, this might appear arrogant. I know some people accuse people who say that they have a relationship with God as being arrogant. And it, it maybe would be where, where we too have invented this and made this up. But this is the way that God wants it from the beginning. God wants this relationship. The Lord is my Last word, shepherd. That's weird. Who, anyone uh, ever worked as a shepherd? Anyone ever met a shepherd? Yes, Tara, you like the Grateful Dead and you met a shepherd. You're an interesting person. Hey, you guys got to meet Tara. She was from Serbia. Oh, okay. It's amazing because you can go to certain places and find shepherds doing pretty much what they've always done straight out of this. And, and you know, I'm sure you guys have heard so much. That's another thing about this psalm. Usually we get into like detail about this metaphor of shepherds. It is the greatest metaphor, but it also in some ways seems kind of limiting. Uh, and there's been so many books written. There's a, there's a book called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. It's all full of allusions to sheep and shepherding. But here's what... I think it's important to realize that, that this is not simply about 
a shepherd's relationship with his flock. We can spend a lot of time trying to figure out how God resembles a shepherd and we resemble sheep, right? I'm sure some of the Roy Paul, if you've been in church a long time, you've heard so many sermons about why you're a sheep. Because you're stupid, um, you fall and you can't get up, you follow leaders over cliffs, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but I think by doing that, by limiting that to just simply the, the cultural idea of a shepherd in that time, I think we can lose the bigger picture of what this means to say the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm going to share a scripture which I think kind of gives us a bigger sense of meaning about this. And it's another psalm, Psalm 78. And it's about David, who we believe wrote this psalm. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. This is what Psalm 78 says about David, that God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. So there's a good idea of a king, a leader, a ruler. This just becomes richer and richer as we start to realize what this concept of shepherd might mean. It's not simply a reference to a person who cares for sheep. There's the idea of king, of guide, of justice, of lord, of warrior, of, of a compassionate leader, of righteousness, of a position of power and authority. So what is it, difference does it make for me to say, the Lord is my shepherd? Well, the next line summarizes what that might mean. What does it say? I shall not want who told me it was uh, Marissa in our staff meeting? Was it, was it you, Marissa? No, it was Nancy. It was actually Nancy Soika. And she said, um, she had a little bracelet or something with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as a kid, she was like, that's weird. I don't want him. You know, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, so you ever get that? You know, we assume that kids understand, <laughs> you know, Bible verses and they're just like, that doesn't really make sense, but I'm too scared to say anything because I might get in trouble. Um, so, so it really means I lack nothing. Okay, it's a, it's a cause and effect. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore, despite maybe how I'm feeling, I'm going to claim that I lack nothing. Um, and then all the rest of the psalm explains what that means. You know, and we're, we're, do, we're going through the psalms. I think one thing we're going to realize and continually go back to is that the psalms are are raw, honest expressions from human beings addressed to God. So many of these uh, psalms. And Psalm 23, it seems to me, is almost like uh, the place of satisfaction for so many of these expressions. So we're going to go through, I'm going to read a, a bunch of psalms, a cry of a human heart, someone in a place of pain or suffering, and then how it turns potentially towards this psalm to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing in that particular area. The first thing, Psalm 6, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Anyone feel like that today? Have you felt like that recently? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He refreshes my soul. My God, I cry out by day and by night, but I find no rest. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. My cup overflows. I have strayed like a lost sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me along the right paths. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. And yet for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. The Lord is my shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. The Lord is my shepherd and even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you're with me. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. The Lord is my shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? The Lord is my shepherd and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The Lord is my shepherd. I am worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, this is a a place where we come to the answer to the ways in which we call out. Every human expression, it seems, finds its hope in Psalm 23. Provision, rest, guidance, restoration, security, comfort, What about enemies, purpose, faithful love, eternal presence? And that's that's us. We're human beings. We, We can read ourselves in the Psalms. And we can stay there, I think, sometimes in this place of sorrow or sadness or grief or bitterness. But we are always called to confess that the Lord is yet my shepherd and therefore I am okay. I'm okay. I have what I need. I lack nothing. And even for those of us who, who don't seem to have much trouble in life, I think it's interesting that most of the times we hear this psalm spoken is where? Where? Where do people read this psalm? Right? I went through, I've done quite a lot of memorials and funerals, and I went through all the ones I could find on my computer, and every single one of them, someone read Psalm 23. And the reason for this is because regardless of how blessed you are, how well things go, we will come to the place of, of recognition that we're, we're going to die. Uh, and this, this psalm answers even that seemingly final cry. My life is going. The Lord is my shepherd. I remember uh, when our dear friend Chris was in the hospital and Melody actually went to visit him and she told me that she read Psalm 23 but she changed it and put Chris's name in there. The Lord is Chris's shepherd. He has everything he needs. So these are ancient words that we've talked about that as well, right? The Psalm, there's connection but there's also disconnection because this is such a long time ago, these words Jehovah, isn't that sort of scary to say that the, the uh, endless eternal power of God is near me? I mean, you read the Bible, the Old Testament, this Jehovah, he is unfathomable, mysterious, at times terrifying, fearsome. 
So what do we do with that? How can we possibly bear with such a leader, such a king, such a shepherd? Well, it's no mistake that when people encountered the person of Jesus, the gospel writers and others recognized that he was the embodiment of the shepherd, that he came to shepherd his people in a way that they could fully understand because he came in flesh like theirs. Says Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You know, we talked earlier about how David was to be the shepherd. How well did that go? Right? David, last week we read Psalm 51. It's David crying out with horror at the darkness that he had found himself uh, stepping into. His repentant Psalm, Psalm 51. So out of that world of broken promises and failure, not bo- from both the leaders, religious leaders, political leaders, and the people themselves, Jesus steps into the picture and he comes to save them. He comes to shepherd them. And so I was, I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about like, okay, how does Jesus fulfill Psalm 23, right? Because the Old, Old Testament ultimately all points towards the one who was to come, towards Jesus. And the same factors that Psalm 23 promises us to say the Lord is our shepherd, we can say Jesus is my shepherd. And we see what that brings. It brings provision. John chapter four, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. John 6, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Rest. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Guidance. Uh, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Security. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Fear, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Even enemies, but this one's kind of different. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Jesus comes to be the shepherd. Jesus the Lord is my shepherd and he fulfills these things for us. He's the one to whom we look for now for all of the promises of Psalm 23. But what makes it even more incredible as as we see this God who is unknowable, who is powerful in all of his ways, who came to us in the person of Jesus, and suddenly we find ourselves drawing closer, is that Jesus also prayed these psalms. Jesus prayed the psalms himself. On the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and, And therefore, Jesus is with us. He's not only answering as if from a safe distance to not get dirty from us and saying like, hey, yeah, I'll just throw you some bits and pieces. He's with us, also crying out in his humanity, with us in our suffering and our pain. And yet he is also the one who will shepherd us. He is our friend. He is a humble servant, a gentle healer, savior, redeemer, and a companion who knows what it means to suffer. So we have, we have this mighty God who is Jehovah and he is my shepherd and then his love in action in Jesus who is my shepherd. Can we bring that even closer to home? 
Because I think there's something really important that sometimes we miss in churches when we, in our society, much of our faith journey is individual. And we believe very much that it should be communal. Is there a shepherding element in church, in a church community? Well, we are given human shepherds. This is going to make it flesh and blood, you know? Because God, it seems so distant. Jesus rose again. He ascended to be with the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit, which indwells the church, and he gives gifts to people to serve one another in a community that we call the church. Acts 20 says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. This shepherd story just continues on. And apparently there are people who, who are given gifts in a church community to be flesh and blood, voice, ears, hands, feet, shepherds of people who come with the same kind of pleas in the Psalms that we read. First Peter chapter five says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest game, but eager to serve. And then he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So Melody, it's funny that you said, you call me a shepherd. It's just kind of funny, because that wasn't planned, but like I, I just resonate with that thing. And not in any kind of like, I'm the one with the crook. I can weak people off the stage really easily with my big long stick. But in terms of like the privilege and the, the joy and the beauty of, of being someone who's invited into the most kind of painful or sad or, or meaningful or deep moments of people's lives, like I, it, I am overjoyed that God has called me to be what I believe is a shepherd. And I take it really seriously. We do. Melody takes it really seriously. Josh takes it very seriously. Um... And we're here, we are here, we are here for you, to serve you. But I'm gonna take it even further than that because I think we all have a role, all of us have a role in providing that, that, that place for people to, to come and have a real person in front of them who represents the story of God's redemption and who says, I am here for you. I am here for you. So I'm going to invite the band up. And then we're going to try and get even more practical. Because how might this all work? And I'm going to take a real life example of how this whole shepherding thing might work. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus, the Lord, is my shepherd. There are people who, will, who, are, who have a role of shepherding and we all have a sense of responsibility to care for one another. Uh, last week, Melody, as I said, led us through Psalm 51, a very broken psalm of repentance where uh, David is just broken. He's weighed down by his own sinful actions and decisions and he goes to God with a plea for mercy. And he said, have mercy on me, O God, wash away all my iniquity. My sin is always before me. 
Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Cleanse me, wash me, let me hear joy and gladness. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. And, you know, last week was, was, was a powerful time. And for many of us, I think that we were led into a place of, of feeling the weight of that confession and then making it very, very personal to go, what is it that I am carrying that feels similar to me, that, that this breaks me, breaks my heart, that causes me shame, uh, that I need to unburden myself of as, as the Psalms are all about coming as you are to God, knowing that you are accepted to come just as you are. And Melody invited us to put some stuff on the prayer wall over there to write something down, um, whatever it might be, the, 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 this, whatever brokenness that you wanted to confess and put it down there. And they're still over there. They're still on that wall over there. Um, and I was actually thinking what to do with them. I was thinking, should we get everyone to go and take them uh, back, but you might get the wrong one, you know, because it seems like, is that now a picture of something that still exists, you know? We believe, though, that God has taken our sins and he has cast them away. They are not to be remembered anymore. But then I thought to myself, this is actually a really good moment. And we were discussing in teaching team how we might, is there something else needs to happen with this? Uh, and, and this psalm kind of perfectly, I think, addresses that. The first thing is the Lord is your shepherd. That's actually quite scary, okay? Because if the Lord is your shepherd, this Lord, this Jehovah of the Old Testament then he is a holy God to whom, who we cannot approach because of our sinfulness. The Old Testament is full of some horrific stories, isn't it? Sometimes you wonder, are we seeing the same God in the Old and New Testament? But the Lord is your shepherd, okay? That's true. He is your creator. Your life is his. Well, the second part, Jesus is the great shepherd, and what did Jesus do? Jesus brought grace and forgiveness. This God who is your shepherd was not content to leave us in this strange, separated place, but he came to us. His love entered into action, loving action, and he took care of all of our sin. But there's another element to this. If we think about having shepherding happening in our community, uh, Melody and Chris, when they went home afterwards, they shared what it was that they had written on that piece of paper. Because sometimes I think it's important for us to have a, a trusted friend or a pastor that you can then unburden yourself and receive that assurance that you are forgiven uh, without judgment. So the Lord is our shepherd. Jesus has bought for us his grace forgiveness. But there are also people around you, pastors and others, who are here for you. Because for some people, putting something on a wall doesn't really take care of it, and you might need to have a conversation. So I just want to say that Melody and myself and Josh, and if there's someone else in this community that you trust, I would, I would encourage you to take whatever is burdening you and share it with them. Uh, that's how this is supposed to work. You know, we are a body. We confess our sins to one another, and we walk together in the light we're going to, do, to go to communion now uh, as a response to this.
And once again, you know, we say that uh, communion is a place where no matter what part of the Bible we're looking at or studying, communion is always an appropriate response because it touches everything, it is connected with everything. And just reading Psalm 23, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A table. He prepares a table before us. You know, we, we take this every week at New Song Church uh, because we believe that it is a a wonderful moment for each of us collectively and individually to connect with God and say yes to him, okay? Um, you may not have taken this before. Uh, I welcome you to do so, but would say that by, by doing this, this is, a, 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 this is our response to God saying, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want you to be the center of my life. So we're gonna open this. If you don't have one, raise your hand and we'll, we'll have someone pass, pass it out if you'd like to take it. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body, which is for you. And then he took a cup and he told his friends, this is the blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins, which he would shortly accomplish when he went out to the garden, when he was arrested, when he was tried and he was executed and he paid for our sins with his own body and blood. Father, Lord, we give you thanks that you are truly our shepherd. We confess that today. We find ourselves weary or wandering or wounded or any other painful scenario or circumstance. Lord, help us to remember those words, to confess them, that you, Lord, are our shepherd, that you will never abandon us. For we pray in the strong name of Jesus, amen.